Episode 17 in the Pressure Outdoors podcast, Boo-Boos and Band-Aids. This week's episode is brought to you by Sportsman Shield, a durable outdoor decal that makes Steve's believe your G- your trail camera has a GPS tracking device. Go on their website, check them out, and get some stickers for your trail camera and your tree stand now. Uh, and worry, hunt more, worry less with Sportsman Shield. So this week I'm joined by my good buddy Stefano. We're going to go over uh, some first aid and some of the injuries you could sustain while in the in the woods and on the water. So, Stefano. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Stefano. I've known Will for God feels like decades. Um, mutual friends through uh, Ian, who's on last week, right? Was last week yes. I'm on. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I've been in the medical field since probably about. 2012 in different capacities uh used to work in an operating room and then uh got some medical training through the military um so now i practice at the uh the paramedic level i like to say i'm the world's okayest paramedic but uh <laughs> it's always good to pass on some, some knowledge and some tips the best i can to people um a lot of people don't have any training so the more people out there have, I think the better we all are collectively, um, especially outdoors when help is hard to come by. So, Absolutely. And I actually went to EMT basic um, after high school, although I never did anything with it. Um, and then I had a lot of, of advanced first aid pounded in my head throughout my time in the military. So, Oh, yeah. But so we're going to start off. We're going to go over some of the injuries you could sustain from being in the outdoors, right? And, and specifically in the hunting realm of things. Um, and I would say generally where we are in the Southeast, your biggest, your biggest injuring factor is going to come from falling from a tree stand, which first off can be mitigated completely by simply wearing a safety harness. Uh, that's one of those things where it will, it'll save your ass. It's not something that's, um, super heavy and, I personally don't think it's that uncomfortable. I spent a little extra money and I got a nice harness that is actually comfortable. It comes with extra pockets, which are always nice. Uh, and I kind of forget I'm wearing it. And it also double, doubles as a deer drag. So there's another good reason to wear it. So what yeah. are some of those many things you, you could suffer from a fall of, of 20 feet? What do you think your biggest threat at that point is? So coming out hot and heavy with hunting, which is probably – one of the more dangerous outdoor activities you can, you can do. Um, so things to keep in mind, um, we'll start before you even get out in the woods. Prevention is huge. Like you said, wear that harness. Um, you know, it's kind of like riding a bike, wear a helmet, go out there and prepare. Um, I've seen cases of people falling out of tree stands for tons of reasons, cardiac arrest or just slipped and fell. Um, most books, the book answer is anything over twice your height is considered trauma. Um, meaning you could get severe injuries. Um, the biggest things to look out for that'll kill you, um, are like your open fractures, um, spinal cord injuries, TBIs, um, which is a traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Sorry. I might have to explain some, if I have to explain some of this, I'm using, medical ease just let me know and I'll, uh, that's all right i'll, I'll try and catch you because i know it's it's uh, second hand yeah um tbi is a big one um recent 
more recently, um, it's coming becoming a bigger deal because there's second, third order effects to having a TBI. You see that with football players and stuff like that. If it goes untreated or it's happened more than once in your life, you can have some issues down the road. So as far as TBI, thing, things you want to look for, one, look at how far you fell. Um, did you lose consciousness um, when you get up? Are you dizzy? Do you know where you're at? Um, those are things that are kind of they're hard to self-assess, especially if you're confused because you just bumped your head. But if you recognize it, you say, hey, I fell out of this tree. I'm feeling funny. I need to go get seen. Now, you're not going to know you have a TBI for sure until you get some imaging done at the ER. Um, if you have a buddy that fell, these are signs you can look for. Uh, we also look at pupils. Um, if they're uneven, they're not dilating, responding to light. I don't know how many of you guys have ever looked at your pupils with a flashlight in it. They adjust to light. Um, typically with the TBI, that doesn't happen. Um, and one thing you can see with the TBI um, Kind of called brain herniation, and you're in a bad way if that's happening. But people kind of clamp up in posture, and it almost similar looking to a seizure. If you see someone in that, it's that's very much oh crap. But going back, if you've fallen, if your buddy fell, and anything seems a little off, there's the potential that something's going on. Just go get seen. Um, I know a lot of people, especially outdoorsmen, whether you're hunting, fishing, or just at the gun range or whatever, we're all pretty tough people, men, women, kids alike. So, and we're all out there trying to accomplish the goal. You know, we want to nab that buck. You want to get that fish, whatever. We spend a lot of time working that way. We want to be ignorant and stay out there and tough it out, but don't tough it out. <laughs> go to a doctor, get seen. Um, and, and look for those symptoms. Uh, they can creep up on you. They, you might not even see them right away. Um, another thing to factor into TBI um, kind of goes hand in hand is spinal cord injury. Um, kind of do, if you're by yourself, do a little self-assessment. Can you feel your hands? Can you feel your feet? Can you wiggle them? Are they tingling? Uh, does your back hurt? Um, back pain doesn't necessarily mean spinal cord injury. It happens when you fall. Um, those are things to think about and uh, just keep an eye on. And uh, have a way, this will cover everything we go through, but have a way to communicate if you're out by yourself. Um, if you hurt your back or you bumped your head, you might not be able to find your way back to your truck or if you're on a boat or something. However you got out to wherever you're at, you might not be able to operate it. So have a way to communicate, let someone know, hey, I'm out here, I fell, I can't get back to my truck, come get me. No. That's a big thing I've I've stressed in the past is not only have a way to communicate and I, I really advocate hunting with a partner, but that's not always possible. Um, when I do, and we, we usually try to hunt in a, and with two or three of us in pretty decent proximity to each other. Um, and so we'll have walkie talkies cause we don't, we don't always have cell service where we're at. Right. Um, but if I'm going to be by myself, I always try to leave uh, my wife with a, at least some coordinates or a spot on a map that's going to be very close to where I'm going to be. I may not always be in that exact location, but I'll be it'd be a good reference point if you had to come find me. Yeah. Um, 
and it's, it always goes with the saying that I'm, I give this to her and I say, hey, if you haven't heard from me, if it's early in the season, you know, the sun, the sun's not going down till eight o'clock and you got 30 minutes after that. So it may take me 30 minutes to get back to uh, cell phone signal. So I'm going to say nine o'clock, nine fifteen. If you haven't heard from me by that time, then, you know, try and contact me and then send somebody out to look for me. Yeah, there's definitely um, options out there. I have an app on my phone. It's called LandNav. Um, it'll basically tell you it uses military grid or GPS coordinates. will tell you where you're at. And if you have signal, you can send it up. Um, I just tell people, let someone know where you're at. Um, even if you call your mom and say, hey, I'm going hunting or whatever. Most people's moms, they don't hear from me for a while. They start calling, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I know, and then you got too many people, you know, don't worry about your hunting spot. There's somebody out there. You know somebody who is far enough away from you. It doesn't matter where your hunting spot yeah, everyone is. Wanna, um, if you want even if you want to keep your hunting hole private, I mean, your life's not worth it. So uh, let someone know. Um, and we, we always talk about that golden hour. You know, your, your best chances of a good outcome or getting treatment within the first hour not always possible when you're out, you know, in the woods or out on the lake or wherever you're at, but the faster you can get um, communication with someone, the better off you're going to be. Right. So I would say TBI is probably one of the most common injuries from a fall. Yeah. Um, but there are other things you can encounter as well. Especially if you're uh, uh, like me and have a big head and you kind of go, you know, head first. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you're, if you're falling down and, and you, you know, the first, the scenario that comes to mind when I think about like a really bad cut, uh, those people that use climbing sticks to get into lock on stands, they generally have fairly aggressive teeth to grip your shoes because you're walking through mud and everything else to get to the tree. So you have to have that aggressive tread on that metal in order for your feet to safely grip it. Right. Right. In the instance that you're climbing and your foot slips, you, you could suffer a pretty, a pretty bad, pretty bad cut. Uh, and that in of itself, depending on location and depth could be pretty serious. Yeah. Um, Lacerations is a, our fancy medical term for cuts. Uh, some people call them lax. Um, and it, this also tie in with um, gunshot wounds, which we'll get into um, after this. But with lacerations, um, nine times out of ten when you cut yourself, it's what we call superficial. It means like pretty top of the skin. You didn't hit an artery or vein. But it's, it's possible. Things happen. Um, and the first thing you want to do is stop that bleeding. Um, Tourniquets can help uh, depending on what type of, I always say when in doubt, just tourniquet it and go get it looked at um, if it's real bad. Um, if you just cut up, uh, putting pressure on it for three to five minutes um, with either Curlex, gauze, um, some people, there's like a civilian version of what we call combat, combat gauze, excuse me, which is impregnated with uh, some anticoagulants to stop bleeding. Um, those things are good. Um, the biggest thing I would say is if it's just a little cut, maybe a little deep, see a little bit of fat, but nothing crazy, do your best to keep it clean. Um, 
once you go in and get stitches and all that, um, they'll, they'll clean it, probably give you antibiotics, but the cleaner you can keep something like that, the better off you're going to be preventing infection. Now, if it's, um, I'll kind of go into gunshot wounds because deep lacerations fall in the same category. You're going to want something more aggressive, like a tourniquet to stop that bleeding. Um, because depending on where it's at, you don't have long before you bleed out pretty quick. So take a look at where you're cut, treat it aggressively, um, and then try and keep it as clean as possible. And again, it's another situation. Don't be afraid to call someone to come pick you up if, if that's happening. You know, um, the faster you get that treated, the better off you're going to be. Um, I won't get into whether it's like arterial, arterial or venous bleeding. I mean, that's not really something you need to determine once you've been cut. Not something to think about. You just want to think about stopping that bleeding. Uh, the red stuff stays inside is one of the ways we always explain it, teaching uh, first aid to people. So, <laughs> Absolutely. And I would say the gunshot is probably a, a gunshot wound is probably the least common um, injury in the, the, outdoorsmen are facing um but and i would probably say of gunshot wounds self-inflicted are probably the more common than actually getting shot by someone else and that just comes down to safety yeah um you know and these happen i uh i think it comes down to just being a little careless or um not paying attention um i don't really have much sympathy for for nds um, personally it, Negligent it discharge. costs nothing to be safe. Um, as far as gunshot wounds, um, the problem you're going to have with hunting is you got a rifle. That's a, it's a pretty stout round um, to take close range. Um, shotguns, I mean, you might just pepper yourself with uh, some bird shot or whatever, but if it's buckshot or slug, it's, it's going to do some damage. So um, I recommend, honestly, across the board, whether you're hunting or not, have a tourniquet handy. Um, things happen. Um, we don't live in, you know, the world isn't the safest place. Um, the news shows that, I mean, I, no one's just gonna shoot you. I mean, I don't think it's super crazy, but just be prepared. Things happen. So I always recommend tourniquets. Um, but yeah, with a gunshot wound, you want to treat it aggressively. Um, don't sit on it. Um, you're probably gonna be a little shocked that you shot yourself, but the faster you get this bleeding stopped, the better off you're gonna be. If you are using tourniquets, I'll tell you right now, it's gonna hurt. They, I've heard people say they hurt worse than getting shot. Um, it's compressing all your veins and muscle and everything into your bone, compressing it against the bone to stop that bleeding. Um, we always teach in the military, if you don't know where you're shot or when in doubt, place it as high and tight as possible on a limb. Um, I'll get into later where you can find this training and resources because um, it does come with training and time and putting a tourniquet on yourself is also not super easy um, but you train it it becomes second nature um, one thing we did overlook um, is fractures and they can kill you <laughs> um, Absolutely. Depending on depending on what you broke and how severely you broke it, I mean, a femur fracture bleeds four hundred liters in, or uh, milliliters yeah, a minute. Somewhere around there, I'd have to get back in the textbooks and find the the G whiz answer. Now, this I'm, I'm giving you this knowledge based off of a, a class I took ten years ago. So, 
I, I may be off, but I know um, it's a lot. Yeah, so what we call your long bones, so your femur, your tibia, fibia, radius, ulna, or um, humerus. Like, so basically your arms and legs, they all have arteries running down them. Your bone kind of protects them. And they're taking blood to the heart, they're bringing blood from the heart, circling around your body. If you fracture a long bone, there's a chance, you know, bones don't break nice. They usually break jagged. Um, it could puncture that. Um, a way to assess yourself, if that happens, you're going to start feeling weak pretty quick. Um, so if you do have a fracture and it's really bad, you might see some bruising. Uh, you might not. Uh, at the time of injury, um, you can always place that tourniquet if you need to. Um, but that's something to keep in mind. Now, if you just fell, hit your ankle, whatever, um, we can get into the splinting. Um, I recommend um, you'll see EMS and the military uses what they called SAM splints. Um, that's just a brand. There's other companies that make similar ones. It's basically like a sheet of aluminum covered in... Um, I don't even know what you call it. It's just padding. Um, you can f basically mold it any way you need to. Um, and you want to bring back that rigidity to whatever you just broke. Um, keep something rigid on it. If you don't have a splint, you could, and you're just using resources around you. If you're in the woods, um, by all means, use a stick, but make sure it's stout and rigid. And it's not going to break on you. Um, have, yeah. have ways to tie it off go back to something else you can use for a splint if you're using climbing sticks that's a that's a that would make a really good splint they're usually about two feet yep. long uh and it's made of aluminum it's going to be straight you're not going to be able to bend that but that would work uh, well another thing you can use and we call it buddy splinting if it's your legs you can split your good leg to your bad leg now you're not going to be able to walk so that's the route you're going to go you know, think about, hey, how am I going to get out of here? Um, but it's a technique. Um, there's a million and one different ways to splint things. Um, I wouldn't recommend for, you know, the average Joe to what we call reducing the fracture, which is basically fixing the fracture. Um, one, it hurts a lot. <laughs> it hurts when people have pain medicine to do it. Two, if you don't have training, don't know what you're doing, don't have quick access to a hospital or anything or EMS, things can go wrong. So I don't recommend trying to fix the fracture to splint it and get seen as fast as possible by somebody. Um, and I think you'd be good to go. You'd be in a good spot there. Um, a lot of these injuries, um, we talk about distraction injuries. So things may look worse than they are. Um, so let's say you, you shot yourself as you fell out of the tree, just hypothetically, your bone's sticking out of one leg. You got a gunshot in the other leg. That bone's sticking out. It's going to look a lot worse than the gunshot, probably, which might just make a small hole. Might have an exit wound. Who knows? Treat the gunshot first. It's going to kill you first before that fracture is. Don't get too caught up. I know it's easier said than done. Getting hurt sucks as I sit here with a broken hand. But um, yeah, you're really good. You're really good one to be talking about this right now. Right? Yeah, luckily I only have one injury for right now. We'll see what tomorrow brings. Great. <laughs> Gravity hates me. Um, yeah, those are those are things that I would find common in hunting. Um, another thing that kind of relates to all of these, and this kind of goes into survival, 
Um, if you do get injured, and for whatever reason you can't get a hold of anybody, and there's probably people looking for you, have a little pack of something to survive on, keep yourself sustained, and you're going to want to keep something to keep you warm. It might be, you know, spring turkey season and it's 90 degrees out and you think, oh, it's, I'm, how could I get cold? But you lose some blood, you're injured, you're in shock, you're going to feel cold, get cold. So I'd recommend a small survival blanket or something with you. Have some extra water and food, something to keep your body going until you can get found. But the right answer is to have a good way to get pulled out wherever you're at or a way to get home. Um, those are just things to think about. Um, I, so yeah, something we talked about, we talked a lot about bleeding mm-hmm. here in the last few minutes. Um, but one thing that a lot of people don't ever give much attention to, but, but could be serious is, is bruising. Uh, at, at what point should a bruise be considered a problem? So bruising happens now, depending on bruising is, is bleeding right. in terms fancy of words, contusions. Extent. If you all want to use that ever impress someone at a bar or something, um, you can bruise just bumping into something or it can be a serious underlying issue. Um, they develop over time. You don't always see them right away. Um, but let's say you maybe only fell from five or six feet and later that day you're, you get home, you take off your pants, your boots, you know, you get changed and your entire leg is black and blue. Like that could be a problem. So depending on how much is there um, and, and what else is going on, just go get it looked at. It's hard to tell what's going on underneath the skin. It means something's bleeding. You don't necessarily know what. So on the safe side, go get it looked at. They have x-rays, MRIs, CTs, all sorts of things. I could, a doctor can take a look and tell you what's going on. If you start feeling faint or weak, you're bleeding from someplace serious and it, you'll probably swell up wherever you're bleeding because you can fit a lot of blood in your arms and legs. Um, a lot of cavity space um, and in your abdomen. So I recommend going and getting seen. Keep an eye on feeling weak. Um, if you have bruising on your abdomen or chest, 110% go get seen. Um, you can absolutely bruise your heart. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> um, you felt pretty hard if you did it, but you can. Uh, you may have broken a rib and punctured something. If your abdomen is bleeding, your abdomen can hold a ton of blood. You might not even know it's bleeding. And then you see the contusion. Uh, maybe you ruptured your spleen or something. There's a lot of soft things in your belly. You know, some of us have beer guts, a little extra protection, but you can still be bleeding out of that abdomen. So you see it. That's why. Yeah, extra, extra protection, huh? Have you seen anything? I'd say if you see anything on your chest, abdomen, um, take that seriously. Um, and then assess how you're feeling. Um, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to go get looked at. I know insurance can be a problem for some people, but. Again, your life is never worth um, pinching a few pennies or, um, you know, staying out longer than you should. So when in doubt, call someone, go get looked at. So um, 
I know you, you briefly touched on having some of those extra things in your, in your backpack. And I know in my hunting backpack, uh, every time I go out, I've always got, um, waterproof matches that are designed to burn for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just as long as your average match. I carry those. I carry a windproof lighter. Um, I carry an emergency blanket, like the little silver blanket that you mm-hmm. can buy at Walmart for like $5 and it's very packed very tightly and i carry a tourniquet um that little blanket can can save you from the cold it can use be used as a signaling device because it is silver um and you know we, we talk about trying to save yourself from the cold let's talk about hot weather and cold weather injuries because that is something uh especially hot weather injuries i know down here in the southeast, if you're out there on, uh, you know, some property you lease and you're out there working in the summertime, it is easy, very easy to suffer a hot weather injury. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm in Alabama now, and it, it's just as bad as Florida as far as heat and humidity up here. Um, hot weather injuries, um, the best way to fight it is drink water. I know um, that kind of sucks because you got to pee a lot more, but. It is what it is. Um, just kind of, again, you got to do a self-assessment. How are you feeling? Um, you're going to be sweating a lot, which sweat is a good sign. That means your body's trying to regulate that temperature. Um, but as you sweat, as you pee, you need to replace those fluids. Um, take a look at how your pee is. It should be light yellow to clear. That means you're hydrated and you're, you're good to go. Um, if it starts getting dark, dark brown, starts smelling real bad, you, you're dehydrated. Um, you need to drink water. You can start feeling dizzy. Um, you start getting a headache. Those are early signs. Um, you can get nauseous. Um, and then, unfortunately, as you let that go, you can go into heat stroke. You could have seizures. Um, things can get pretty bad pretty quick. So if you're out in hot weather, drink water. Uh, Get some electrolytes. Um, you can do something as simple as a meal from a gas station. Uh, you could buy tablets. Um, I always bring about a gallon with me when I'm out in the woods, um, whether I'm hunting, fishing, hiking, hiking especially, bringing a gallon or more. Um, even when I go to the gun range, the gun range gets hot. I get I get overheated and sweat. You know, I like to do uh, tactical stuff sometimes and run around in the gun range and. Uh, pretend I'm trying to find bin Laden, but, uh, you know, um, just finding those early signs. Uh, if you stop sweating and you're feeling real crappy and your pee's real brown, like it's, it's pretty late. Um, so what can somebody do, uh, if they're noticing these signs in a friend to help bring, bring the body temperature down? Hot weather injuries are one of those injuries where you're going to have to lose your shame, um, start stripping layers. Um, don't be afraid to get naked, depending on where you're at. If you're in a public place, you know, be careful. Um, but start stripping layers, um, start getting some fluids in you. Um, don't go crazy for, you know, chug water because you're just going to puke it back up, make your situation worse. Um, you know, luckily when we, Typically, we fish. We have ice. You can use some ice to cool you down a little bit um, or just hop in the water. Um, but when you're out hunting, you're out in the woods, um, really stripping layers, 
and getting water in you is the best way you're going to mitigate that. If you have a lunch box with some cool packs, you can try and, you know, put one on your chest, back of your neck, um, someplace a lot of blood circulates and start bringing your temperature down a little bit. Um, if, if you can make it to your truck or whatever, go sit in your truck with the AC until you feel comfortable to drive or you're not feeling any better, then by all means call EMS to come, come pick you up. Um, but the simple answer is start getting naked and start drinking water. Um, if, if you got a cooler um, or a means to cool you down, um, you know, go slow. Don't a rapid drop in your body temperatures just as bad for you. Um, so be careful. But those are all things you can do um, on your own. Doesn't really require extra equipment. Just a little extra caution, and uh, those things will work out pretty well for you as long as you recognize it. You, know, you gotta can't always tough it out. Sometimes you gotta take a minute and say, "Hey, I'm feeling funky." How do I fix this? So, so we talked about hot weather and we talked about cold weather. And a lot of people don't associate uh, cold weather injuries with, with hunting. Um, but you got to think about things like duck hunting, which primarily takes place in the wintertime and primarily takes place in the water. Uh, so it's super easy to be out there in 30 degrees and, you know, you're going to retrieve decoys. I've been in this situation. You step where you thought was solid ground because it was solid when you were there earlier and it's a hole. And now next thing you know, you're soaking wet. Your waders are full of water. Um, and if you let that go and you drop your body temperature too low, what are some of the signs of, of those cold with injuries? Um, so with hypothermia, it's not just being around in the water, exposed to water. And that's a major factor in it. Um, especially in that weird time of year where it's pretty warm in the day and gets cold at night. If you're sitting in the tree stand sweating and now your clothes are soaked and it's not moisture wicking or anything, um, you can also get hypothermic just being covered in sweat. Because once the temperature drops, all that sweat's going to get cold too. That's in your clothes and on your body. It's going to lower your body temperature. So those are things to keep in mind when selecting what gear you're going to wear. Um, you'll start to see... Um, shivering and loss of circulation. Um, you're going to know you're cold. Um, on the far end of that, um, you know, a good test is trying to touch your thumb to your pinky. Um, if you're losing dexterity, you, you're getting pretty cold and uh, your mind will start to go a little bit. You'll start thinking real slow. It almost, it almost feels, uh, I don't know if you've ever been hypothermic, but I've been pretty cold before and you almost feel uh, a little drunk, a little slow. Um, it's hard to think right. And then the final stages of hypothermia before um, you kind of circle in the drain is you'll start to feel warm again. Your body will shunt blood and shunting just means it's moving blood from your fingertips and your legs and it's moving all that blood into your core to keep your vital organs, your brain, your heart, your lungs, keeping all that warm so it can keep functioning. So you'll start to feel warm again, but the temperature hasn't changed you haven't changed your situation and then things are getting pretty bad at that point, but you'll feel, you'll feel a little bit better, but your body's compensating and that's uh, not good either. Yeah. You're really far down the road at that. That That's not, that's yeah, not good. You need to get out of that situation as, as quickly as humanly possible. If you, uh, if you're really cold and then just randomly start feeling warm, uh, it's not. So 
the best thing you can do in that in that if you're in a cold wet environment is to get those wet clothes off and, and right. get warm uh either start a fire get that emergency blanket out wrap yourself in that get close to the fire and what you can do as well with that emergency blanket if you can bear it you can open it to the fire and it will reflect heat from the fire back onto you so it's um it's going to go against your nature a little bit to strip your clothes when you're cold um, but your clothes are probably keeping you cold. So strip your clothes. If you have a buddy, skin on skin contact works great. Um, start a fire. Um, or if you don't have the means to start a fire, if you're just naked and in that survival blanket, your body heat, what you have left is going to start heating that up and kind of make yourself a little burrito. Um, and it'll kind of warm you up a little bit, kind of get you, um, a little better off than you were before. Um, but with, uh, both hypo and hyperthermia, you know, the big things are you want to get out of that environment. Um, you can mitigate it. You can, you know, get yourself into a better situation where you can get to, get to help, get to your truck or, or wherever you need to egress to you, but get out of that situation as best you can. Um, and then. You're, I mean, once you hit that point, your your day is probably done. So, <laughs> don't get. Yeah, that should be. You, you mean you shouldn't right. be trying to push through that to to keep on. And as much as people might think it is, Bud Light is not. No. Water, um... so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Mixer um, isn't either. Speaking of, and you see this more with fishing because um, it's kind of a drinking sport. Uh, Alcohol will not make your body temperature go up. You will feel warmer. You are not actually warmer. So don't think because you're cold, I'm going to pound this six pack and I'll be good to go. Like your body is still cold. Might even be colder because you're drinking cold beer unless you're drinking a cowboy cold. So <laughs> alcohol will not make you warmer. Well, it, it also it does. It, uh, it will reduce your ability to stop bleeding. So if you have multiple injuries and you're just laying by the tree stand that you fell out of and it's getting cold quick and help's going to be a little while and you just for whatever reason felt the need to take grandpa's medicine before you went out to the woods and you're bleeding somewhere and you don't know about it, it it's putting you in a really bad spot a spot you could have 100% prevented so So we'll move on from hunting. We're going to move into the fishing realm of things because you, you can suffer a totally different type of injury uh, from fishing. That you, I would say there are more common injuries in the fishing aspect than in the hunting aspect. Um, I don't expect you to fall from a height while fishing. Um, that's not something that's very common, although not impossible. Uh, it's not very common to fall from any height while fishing, but, you know, uh, lacerations, deep cuts, puncture wounds, those are all big things you could definitely you could definitely. Oh, I've definitely been fishing. injured while fishing. Uh, <laughs> stabbed myself with a hook more than a few times. Um, fishing, I feel like there's more self-inflicted injuries based on how we fish. A lot of people pack a cooler, pack a couple beers, go out hit the lake, you know, uh, go hit the lagoon, hit the ocean, whatever. Um, so you're being, you could be a little more careless. Um, the chances are to stab yourself. You got knives, you got hooks, um, and you're going to treat those just like any laceration. Um, you know, if the bleeding is real bad, do your best to stop it. Um, 
you know, it's not a bad idea to bring a tourniquet fishing. Um, and if you're getting in the water, there's a whole nother set of injuries. Um, I mean, typically fish in the summer, so hypothermia is not a huge deal. Maybe when the sun sets, if you're out late. Um, but also think about things that are in the water that could hurt you. Um, you know, I'm kind of trying to think worst case scenario. If you're around the boat and for some reason you get caught up in the propeller, you're going to have a lot of issues there. Um, that's definitely a, a uh, absolutely. issue. Um, I've seen some pictures of people that have been caught in propellers and it's not pretty. Um, so those are things to think about managing your temperature, getting hot, getting cold. The nice thing is if you get hot in a boat, you can jump in the water and that'll help you a little bit. Still going to need to drink your water. Um, and again, same thing we talked about with hunting. If you're fishing, you know, Florida is kind of nice. Most waterways are, I don't want to say totally crowded, but especially central Florida, you're going to see someone while you're fishing. Yeah, you're, so you're not alone. By have a means, means to either signal somebody that's out there with you, have, you know, obviously let someone know where you're going, what you're doing. Um, <laughs> you know, you'll probably see the sheriff or FWC out in the water, depending on where you're at, which is nice. You know, you have the Coast Guard at your disposal out in the ocean, uh, but have radios. Um, you, I think you can, there, I've seen some pretty cheap uh, radios that you can, you know, send out that mayday call if you need to. Um, you can get marine radios for yeah. 30 or 40 bucks and handheld marine radio, um, but they are not as powerful as a, as a boat mounted radio, but it's better than nothing. So you, to have that, and it's also required by law on a certain size boat, uh, that you have that radio. Um, and if you needed to, to call a Mayday call like that, you would switch to channel 16 and you would call Mayday I mean, and give your location. Uh, but that, you know, emergency only not, I, I, you know, you don't call Mayday because you put a hook to <laughs> your toe. They will bill you, you and then they will laugh at you. Uh, <laughs> uh, the big thing with hooks, too, um, they're barbed, so you're not going to want to pull that through, by the way. Uh, I don't know if anyone has ever. Well, if, it, if it's bad enough, you, you can yeah. push it to the other side. And similar similar to an arrow. Uh, don't yank it out the opposite way it went in. <laughs> Feed it through. But, uh, yeah, even, even if you're on a little jumbo out in – little tiny lake you can see the shore i mean don't be afraid to take a radio with you uh get a hold of somebody you know you may be out there late night catfishing you know you can see across the lake someone's lights are on their house but something happened you hit your head you slipped in the boat and you ain't gonna make it across the lake have something have something to get a hold of somebody so especially down here in a place like florida where you have uh, a lot of intercoastal waterway and stuff like that Something very easy to do to cause injury to yourself and others in the boat is to absolutely um, either be it hitting a sandbar or oyster bed, and uh, you know having a boat is is uh, there's two kinds of people that own a boat: those who have run aground and those I always who say there's two types it. of people that own the boat: dudes that uh, they prep their boat before they get to the boat ramp, or they prep it on the boat ramp. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah well that's a totally different podcast we're gonna get we're gonna get into hunting and fishing etiquette 
uh, here in one of these later episodes. That, that's going to be a totally Prep your boat in the there. parking lot, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the boat uh, ramp. But I, I've run aground. I've hit a sandbar more than once. It's not something – if you've been on the water a long time, you can learn to read that and you can kind of avoid those. But sometimes they do – you know, they change with the tides. Currents change. They shift a little bit. And then next thing you know, there's a sandbar where there wasn't always one. Um, I haven't hit one so bad that it's completely stopped me, but I have, I have hit it where I, I've, I've hit the uh, skeg of the motor on it and it slowed me down relatively quickly enough to where I fell out of my seat where I was driving. That comes back to the point of always wearing your uh, engine cutoff device uh, so that if you are thrown overboard, your boat doesn't <laughs> drive away without you or your boat doesn't drive over top of you. Um, so those it's, it's again, it's all these, all of these injuries can be I would mitigated. I would say too with um, a boat. Um, sometimes you're booking it. You're easily doing 20, 30 miles an hour. Um, you know, maybe more depending on what kind of boat you got. Um, and you're going to hit something, and you're going to stop real short, and it, treat it just like a car accident. Uh, there's all sorts of trauma that can happen. Hit your head. Hit your vital organs. You can hit your abdomen. You can cause fractures. You're under you're unrestrained on a boat, so you could go flying. You could hit something on on the shore if you run ashore. So bad things can happen quickly. Um, again, the injury patterns. You know, you're talking about contusions, lacerations, fractures. I would say anything you'd bring in your kit for hunting to treat something like that. Um, bring it with you fishing. Uh, it's better to have and not need than need and not have. And the nice thing about fishing is you're on a boat. You're not slogging it around, walking it through the woods, so you can pack a little bit heavier um, unless you got 20 people on your boat, but that's besides the point. But uh, just have that gear, recognize those symptoms. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> uh, it's not corona, it's allergies. Uh, uh, <laughs> have that gear, and uh, yeah, I would treat um, a boating accident just like I would a car wreck. Um, and then another thing to think about too is if you're in a situation where you might be thrown from the boat or maybe someone jumped in the water, they know what they're doing is think about drowning. Um, keep an eye on people that are with you. Um, if someone does drown, um, there's protocol to treat that you pretty much treat it like CPR. Um, but I'll get into where you can get training for all that stuff. Um, but those are things to think about. Um, I think drownings happen probably quite a bit in Florida. I don't follow Florida news as much as I did when I lived there, but it seemed pretty common. There were some football players not that long ago that, that drowned in a boating accident. So keep in mind. But again, that's another easy thing. That that is true. Wear a life jacket. And I'm not saying you have to wear one the entire time you're, you're in a boat, but I practice because I have a very small boat. I have a 12 foot John boat. I wear a life jacket while I'm moving. Uh, When I reach the point that I'm going to stop, then I uh, I take my life jacket back off. I'm going to stop. I'm going to fish or whatever. I take it off. Uh, kids under a certain age have to always wear a life jacket in the boat when it's moving. So just the thing to think about. There's there's always a way to mitigate that injury. You, wearing your harness, uh, never pulling your gun up or down from the tree loaded, you know, not walking with a loaded gun. Um, there, there's 
a hundred different ways to keep from injuring yourself by just taking a, a, a and look, step uh, no safety. one looks cool with a life vest on. No one looks cool wearing a safety vest or a harness. Like I get it, but it's better than dying out there while you're trying to have a good time or well, being a super bad injury. Just go ahead and put it on. You, you don't look cool. Yeah. You that, really don't look cool in a cast. Amen. Um, it's not worth it. There's ways to mitigate these injuries. There's ways to save yourself. A lot of heartache and trouble. Save your family a lot of heartache and trouble. Just go ahead and slap it on. It doesn't cost anything really to be safe. So, so where can people find these resources uh, for medical stuff? So, like, stuff like that. Because some of them they are not. not um, Two big ones you can find. Um, the state of Florida um, has boating safety um, courses you can take um, if that's your thing. Um, as far as medical training itself, um, we'll start with the basics. So American Heart Association and Red Cross both offer training. Um, they both offer varying CPR training that you can take. Um, CPR might be um, something you might have to do on a buddy out in the woods and it's it's rough to do as a team but you need to know what you're doing and it can absolutely save lives that is there the CPR absolutely saves lives so I recommend everybody whether you go outside or you stay in your house and self-quarantine even when there's no corona go get CPR training even if you're at Walmart like it's a good thing to know and uh, you could definitely save a life doing that. So look up Red Cross, American Heart Association. Um, American Heart Association is a more popular one. Um, they'll point you, there's basically a search feature on there. It'll tell you places you can go get the training. Um, some places do it for free. Um, local firehouses sometimes put it on for the community. I've seen churches do it. Um, and you get a fancy little card. Um, you get some basic first aid training. It's not just CPR. There's a little more first aid training in there. Um, and I think that's a good place to start. Uh, another resource that I uh, was looking at earlier, um, and we use it in the military, it's called deployed medicine. Um, it's more geared towards combat medicine, but there's good training on there on how to apply tourniquets, um, how to apply emergency bandages. These are things the military has been doing for years. Uh, unfortunately, war produces good medicine because we learn. So that's a good resource. Um, there's also a guide on there for approved medical equipment. Um, and I'll get into that in a little bit about what you should look for in your kits because not all medical equipment is equal as well. Um, and then I was just kind of browsing and locally in Central Florida, there's Tons of places for first aid training. Um, there's some geared towards, you know, the tactical community. There's some geared towards wilderness. Um, a lot of people teach classes. They're not all the same. Look at who's teaching the classes. Look at their credentials. Are they certified paramedics? Is it just some guy who did three years in the Army and is now pretending to be an expert or... Is it some guy who watched a YouTube video and now he's teaching people? Um, look at their credentials. Um, look at how much the classes cost. Some people get ridiculous with their price. It shouldn't cost you more than 
a couple hundred dollars tops to get a good couple days worth of training. Um, and then engage those instructors, ask them, you know, what are their credentials? Where did they learn? And, and look at reviews, talk to people, see if people know them. Um, if you're going to engage a, a local person teaching any sort of class, just ask them questions. And if you kind of feel like, Hey, this guy doesn't seem like he knows what he's talking about. He probably doesn't know what he's talking about. So, um, there's none that I specifically endorse locally. I don't know any of these people, so I'm not going to drop names or anything, but just get on Google, especially now why everyone's kind of sitting at home, do some research and, and read as much as possible. And YouTube is also a, a good resource. There's plenty of, um, official videos, um, from different organizations. Stop the bleed is another good organization. Um, and they have instructional videos and guides and, and ways to get training at home that you can, so you can kind of learn, practice, train. So by the time, you know, everyone's ready to get back out on the water, get back in the woods, you kind of have some training behind you. You have the gear, you know what to do. Um, Cause when an emergency happens, it's not the time to learn how to do something. Um, so those are, those are some resources to use. Um, I still Google stuff all the time. Um, medicine's constantly changing. So, and if you know anybody that's in the medical field, hit them up. I guarantee they know medical personnel, like they love to teach for the most part. So don't be afraid. If you got a nurse, a doctor, an EMT, a uh, firefighter, um, don't be afraid to hit them up and get, get some knowledge out of them because they've been through training. They've seen it firsthand and they'd probably be glad to help you out. Absolutely. So we're, we're kind of coming towards the end here. Um, anything um, else as far ask? as gear, um, gear is not all created equal. There's actually, um, like I said, deployed medicine has a guide for approved medical equipment that the military uses. It's all been studied. It's all been tested. Um, we've seen how effective it is on people. There's a lot of people on the internet selling things that haven't been tested, I'm not saying they're not good products. They won't do their job, but they haven't been tested. And me personally, I'm not trusting my life on something that hasn't been through the ringer as far as testing. So as far as tourniquets go, um, there's tourniquets on wish the wish app. They're made in China. They break really easily. They're knockoffs of good tourniquets. Don't use those. <laughs> um, so I'd say look at that guide. Um, I recommend the North American Rescue Cat Tourniquet. Um, it's tried and true. Military's been using it for years. EMS agencies use it. Um, as far as other gear, um, splints, uh, bandages, and all that stuff, um, bandages are pretty basic. Um, there's like a few companies that make them. Um, just go out there. I'd say look at that guide. Um, you can YouTube medical kit setup, and there's millions of videos of different people, and you'll see a common theme. They all kind of have the same thing in their med kits. So just jot down notes, pay attention. Um, medical equipment isn't cheap, but it also doesn't have to be super expensive. Um, I'd say under 200 bucks, you can get a pretty stout medical kit that'll cover any situation. Um, about 100 to $200. Um, 
you're not going to get any sort of medical equipment super cheap. It's just not, it's not going to happen unless you know somebody that can give you stuff. But over time, buy it. You know, if you're planning on going out hunting, fishing, whatever, going to the gun range, just over time, just accumulate it and, you know, pay attention. Be a smart consumer when it comes to buying medical equipment. So we normally do a tip of the week under pressure outdoors tip of the week. This is a good time for everyone to start planning. Um, you know, everyone's kind of locked down. You can do a few things outdoors, but you know, uh, with hunting seasons, different States closing, you know, boating closing down. This is the time to plan. This is the time to train. And, uh, they say train, 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 uh, you can never practice enough using medical equipment or learning first aid. So while you're, you know, 30 minutes a day, practice with tourniquets, learn, learn some new things, uh, start prepping your kits, seeing what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and just take advantage of this time right now uh, to plan to set yourself up for success. Okay, so I'm going to say I got, I got two tips this week. One, <clears throat> if you buy a tourniquet, it should not live inside the plastic wrapping that it came oh, in inside nuts. your bag. <laughs> Take it out, prep it, meaning get it ready to go on a limb. Some tourniquets, by the way, are one-time use, and they lose their um, effectiveness. So if we need to, you could probably find a cheap training tourniquet on eBay that's been used. That's fine to train with. Just make sure the brand-new one that's never been used, depending on if it's a single-use tourniquet, make sure that one hasn't been used. But by all means, try and find one you can use for training. And two, if you get a puncture wound, a good example would be falling from a tree stand. You have a stick stuck in your thigh. Do not attempt to remove the stick. Leave it stuck. If you have the, the ability to bandage it and place yeah, it hold one. it still, do that. Yeah, don't try to remove it because it could be stopping bleeding in and of itself. So... There's just things to think about. And I mean, there's a whole lot of resources, but vet your sources. Um, don't just take anybody's word for it. Don't just take our word for it. Uh, challenge us if you got questions, tips, concerns. You think we're wrong or you know we're wrong, tell us. I'll, I will gladly correct myself. And, uh, no problem doing if, that. By any means, if so, uh, anybody has any questions or maybe caught something I said that was stupid, which just happens. Um, you can get a hold of me through Will, I guess. Um, I'm not going to put my info out there, but the training's out there. I I love it to see people train medical. So just get out there and uh, learn what you can. Help us learn, too. We're always learning, so That's never stop learning, especially when it comes to medicine. Having that having that medical knowledge is not only something that can save your life, but it could save somebody else's and that somebody else could be your kid uh, or a best friend or another Absolutely. loved one. You never know. And not only do you want to train yourself, you want to train those around you. That way, if you're in an instance where you can't help yourself, they can help you. So not only gain the knowledge, but share the knowledge. So And uh, it could also save your pets too, if you take them out to the woods. But I mean, I could talk medical for hours on hours. So 
maybe we hit it in another episode you know, or something. I have absolutely. I have legitimately applied a tourniquet to my dog before. She tore her leg wide open, and it was a, a a venous bleed, and I had to stop that to get her to the vet. And the vet definitely uh, commended me on the fact that I applied a tourniquet because she was she tore oh, wow. the vein almost completely in half in her leg. So, but this has been another episode of the Unfresh Outdoors podcast. So, if you guys listen this long, you you got something to say, leave us a review. Get on iTunes or the the Apple Podcast, hit that far right hand star, or wherever you listen to your podcast, give us a review. Let us know what you think. Shoot us a message via our Facebook, Instagram, Under Pressure Outdoors at Gmail, uh, and we'll respond to you. So, until next week. All right. Thanks yeah, hopefully going. we get some more Briar on here. I always love the episodes that he's on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a character. <laughs> yeah, thanks right, for having thank me. Thank you.